You're listening to Tempted, sermon series by facing temptation successfully. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Check this out. It says, here's what you need to do. It says you need to get rid of all. Everybody say all. all. Do it again. Everybody say all. all. Help me out. That's right. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. So how much bitterness are we supposed to get rid of? How much anger are we supposed to get rid of? How much rage are we supposed to get rid of? And all forms of malice. Now, why? Why would God tell us to do that? Why would he tell us to do that? It's because he knows it's a trap. He knows it's a trap. He knows that it's a trap that has been set by the devil to keep us in bondage. It's a trap that has been set by the devil to keep us weighed down. That's why offenses certainly come, because you have an enemy, and his name is Satan, and he's crafty. He's smart. He knows how to trap us. He knows how to trip us up. In fact, I want us to look at at the story of this teenager today that that just had some really, really bad things happen to him. In fact, it was one thing right after another for this individual. It's it's, It's a story about a guy by the name of Joseph. And you've probably heard his name once or twice, but Joseph was the youngest child in the family. Is anybody else, you're the youngest child in the family? Man, isn't that the worst? You know what I'm saying? Your older siblings are always just mean to you and hurting you. I grew up and my sister was always mean to me. She was hateful. She's here today. Y'all make sure she feels terrible if you see her. But man, she was just so mean to me. So mean to me. Always, always trying to get me in trouble. And, but really, the youngest child is usually the one who gets picked on by the older siblings. Is it true? It's true. That's, that's usually what happens. And so Joseph has 10 older brothers. Can you imagine what his life was like? Man, it was rough. One day his dad gave him a, a camouflage coat. It's called, the Bible says it's a coat of many colors. I like to think it was like some of that expensive scent lock, you know what I mean? Hunting gear, something to give him the competitive edge when he went deer hunting, you know? So he gets this scent lock coat, you know, and all his brothers are like, they're jealous. They're upset. Man, dad loves Joseph more than he loves us. And so they just torture him even more. You say, Robert, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, the, Robert, the Bible doesn't not, not say that. You know what I'm saying? Just let me kind of think it could be like that. And so I can picture them, again, just being mean and hateful to him. And again, he's the youngest child. All Joseph wanted to do was to be loved by his brothers. All Joseph wanted to happen were, was to fit in with his brothers. He wanted to be like his older brothers. I have two daughters. And Brianna Grace is my oldest. Sadie Kate is the middle child now. We got Lawson. But let me tell you, Sadie Kate loves her older sister. Sadie Kate adores her older sister. Sadie Kate wants to be just like her older sister. She wants her sister to love her. And so Joseph's the same way. But he has these dreams. He has these dreams where he actually begins to rule over his brothers and his family. And so it's kind of uh, an exciting dream. And so he shares it with his brothers. And be- because he shares it with his brothers, look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 8. It says this, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? 
And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. So they already hated him. You see that? But now they hate him all the more. And so one day, Joseph and his brothers, man, they're out watching their father's flocks. They're out there watching their father's flocks, all of them except Joseph. Joseph's not out there watching the flock. And some people think it's because, again, you know, the father really, really did like Joseph the most, and the father was real protective of him, and maybe that's the case. But when I try to really understand what's happening, what's happening in this story, I can't help but imagine that something probably very similar to this, what I'm about to say, happened. So it probably started out just like any other normal day. Joseph and all of his brothers, you know, they were, they were just out hanging out, and they were maybe going to play a game of kickball. You know what I mean? They were going to play a game of kickball. They were going to do something. And so they all line up, you know what I mean? And there's two team captains. You know how it is. And so it's like, okay, I want this person. I want this person. And so there's old Joseph. And Joseph's thinking, oh, man, I'm going to show them today that they need me on their team. They're going to pick me first. They're going to pick me. And he doesn't get picked first. So he's like, that's all right. I'm going to get picked second. And he doesn't get picked second. I'm going to get picked third. He doesn't get picked third, fourth, fifth, sixth. He, he doesn't get picked at all, actually. See, it's an odd number. He's just the very last person. And so he's just forced to kind of be on a team. Well, you're just the last, you're just the last person. And everybody was probably laughing. Come on, does anybody know what that feels like? You know what I mean? To be last to be picked at kick ball and first to be hit in dodgeball. Just me. Pray for me. Yeah, yeah. I know what it feels like. And so Joseph, he's feeling bad, but he thinks, I'll show them. Man, when they roll me that ball, I'm going to kick that ball smooth over that mountain over there. You know what I mean? He's thinking, I'm going to show them. And so they roll the ball to him. He's like, here I go. And he misses. And everybody starts laughing. And I can see him. He runs inside, right? He runs inside, and he's telling his dad what happened. So his dad says, look, you guys need to love each other. Y'all need to be nice to each other. Parents, does this sound familiar? Huh? And so the other boys, they go out to watch the field. Joseph kind of calms down, and then the dad says, okay, I want you to go and check on your older brothers. I want you to go and check on them and see what's going on. And so Joseph goes out to check on them and watch this. In Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 18, it says, but they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Man, this is hardcore. I mean, I know my sister plotted to get me in trouble. I know my sister plotted to like, you know, hurt my feelings, but to my knowledge, she never plotted to kill me. You know? I mean, I hope she didn't. But man, that's what's happening his, here. His brothers are planning to kill him. You know what they do? They beat him up. They strip him of his coat and they throw him into this well. They throw him into this hole and the story gets even crazier. Because if you look at verse 25, the Bible says, as they sat down to eat their meal. Do you, do you see that? Man, this is crazy to me. Can you imagine this? Joseph has been beaten up. He's been beaten up. They were going to literally kill him and leave him for dead. He's been beaten up and thrown into this hole. 
I can hear him in my mind moaning and you know screaming just in pain. And his brothers are up there sitting down on rocks. You know what they're doing? Eating turkey and cheese sandwiches. Hey man, pass me some ruffles. That's, they're up there, they're up there enjoying their meal while Joseph is in pain. He's in pain. And so watch what, what the Bible says. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. So his brothers agreed. Can you believe this? His brothers are going to sell him as a slave. So watch what happens. So when the Midianite merchants come by, his brothers pull Joseph out of the cistern. Now, do you think that Joseph went willingly here? Just imagine this. Joseph is in a pit. His brothers are all on the top talking about what they're going to do. You think he heard what his brothers were saying? Shocked. And so what happens? They have to pull him out of the pit. I can imagine them throwing that rope down there and tying him up. You know what I mean? And the whole time, Joseph's like, I'm staying in this hole. There's no way you guys are going to sell me. But there's 10 other brothers pulling him out, 10 other people against him. And so unfortunately, he gets out of the pit. And verse 28 says, and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. It wasn't strangers who did this to him. It wasn't his enemies who did this to him. Joseph's own brothers did this. Joseph's brothers basically plotted to blot out his name and strip him of his identity. All that Joseph was familiar with was gone. To be, to be sold as a slave meant that, you know what, especially in a foreign country, was that you would be a slave until you died. If you married, your wife would be a slave. If you had children, guess what would happen to your children? They would be slaves as well. It would have been terrible to be born a slave, but incredibly worse to have been the son of an heir. To know wealth, to know freedom, and then to have that taken from you. I wonder what thoughts were going through Joseph's mind because at this point, the dream he had has become a nightmare. Can you think about what he's thinking? Can you imagine what's going through his head? Do you think that he was angry? Do you think he was mad? Do you think that he wanted vengeance? I can see Joseph quoting the words of the great theologian, the, the, the wicked, wicked witch of the West saying, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too, Right? He wanted to get even. Anybody seen that movie? Man, I'm getting old. The Wizard of Oz? Dang. I'm getting old. But I can see him thinking that, man. Man, I'm going to get back at those guys. I can't help but think he wrestled with those kinds of thoughts because this was deep hurt. This was real hurt. So he sold as a slave to the Ishmaelites, who then sell him as a slave in Egypt, and he ends up working at Potiphar's house. At Potiphar's house, and Joseph has some gifts of administration. He's able to kind of run things and organize things, even at a young age. And so he's placed in charge of Potiphar's house. And man, Potiphar's house is blessed because of Joseph. Man, things are, are going well. Things are, things are prospering. And see, the thing about Joseph, though, is he was a looker. 
He was a looker. He, he was a nice-looking guy. He was tall, dark, and handsome. Some people think he looked kind of like me. I don't know. But tall, dark, and handsome. And so he's working there. And Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife, she, she liked what she saw. She liked what she saw. And she thought, you know what? I'm going to make Joseph mine. I'm going to make Joseph mine. And so she was always coming on to Joseph. Joseph saying, oh, no, it's not happening. Oh, no, it's not happening. Nope, 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 it's not going to. But she's just aggressive. She's aggressive. She's really, she's really trying. And so one day she gets so aggressive that she actually grabs a hold of Joseph and says, this is going to happen. And Joseph said, oh, no, it ain't. And so Joseph is trying to get away from her. And she's got such a grip on him. She's got such a grip on him that when Joseph is trying to get away, his clothes basically rip, and he runs out of there without his clothes. You know what I'm saying? And so as you can imagine, man, Potiphar's wife is upset because she's done everything she can, everything that she can think of to get Joseph to, to, to commit to her, to fall for her. I mean, she had lit candles. She had dimmed the lights. She had put in her boys to men CD. <laughs> Probably even took a bath. Done everything she could to entice Joseph here, and he doesn't fall for her. So I can imagine she's embarrassed. And so she thinks, you know what I'll do? I'll show him. I'll get him. I'll say he tried to take advantage of me. And so that's what she does. She says, oh, potty, Potiphar. Oh, potty, you're not going to believe what Joseph did. You know what happens to Joseph? He's thrown in prison. But not just any prison. Pharaoh's prison. See, Pharaoh's prison was nothing like the prisons here in America. As unpleasant as our prisons are, Pharaoh's prison would have, would have made our prisons look like a country club. Because it was underneath Pharaoh's house. It was basically a dungeon. It was a sunken pit. There was no sunlight, no workout area. There was no warmth. Prisoners were put there to rot. And they were, they were given just enough food to survive on. Psalm 105, when it's talking about Joseph in verse 18, here's what it says about him. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck with, was put in the irons. So can you imagine as Joseph again is there, can you hear some of the thoughts that might be going through his head? Man, this is my reward for serving Potiphar now faithfully for 10 years. I was more faithful to, to Potiphar than his own wife was, and this is what happens to me. This is, this is her fault. No, 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 better yet, this is my brother's fault. If they wouldn't have sold me, this never would have happened to me. I'm going to get them back. Or maybe even, maybe even he said something like this, God, this is your fault. Because, God, you gave me these dreams. You gave me those dreams that one day I would rule over my brother. And all I have done since then is try to do the right thing. How in the world, God, could you let this happen to me? Joseph, I can't help but think, had to have wrestled with thoughts that were similar to that. See, Joseph, at this point in his life, though, had very limited freedom. Very limited freedom. But you know what he was free to do? He was free to choose how he was going to respond to everything that happened to him. And that's how we are. Would we have been offended? Would we have been bitter? 
Would he simply give up at this point in his life? Give up on life? Give up on the possibility of any of the promises God had made him ever coming true? See, if you know the story of Joseph, you know that he eventually begins get, uh, gets promoted to be second in command. He gets promoted to a place of authority. He, but, but I can't help but think that it was hard during this moment for him to see God orchestrating this whole thing. I, can, I can't help but think it was hard for him to see that God was working on promoting him through this difficult situation. Because many times when you and I are going through something difficult, you know what we lose sight of? We lose sight of the goodness of God. We do. When we're going through something tough, when someone has hurt us, when someone is coming against us, we lose sight of the goodness of God. We lose sight of the fact that God more often than not uses bad things that have happened to us to promote us and to do something well in our life or good in our life. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this, and we know, meaning we are confident, we are sure of this. We aren't guessing, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He, he's working all things out for our good. You know that. See, how many of us would just be honest and admit that when we experience bad things in our life, we get depressed? What about this? How many of you in your life would admit that you want to experience a miracle? One or two people? What in the world, man? I want to win the lottery. That'd be a miracle. I mean, I want, I want to experience miracles in my life. Well, if you want to experience a miracle in your life, what you need to realize is that a lot of times there must first be a problem. If you want to experience a miracle, there's got to be a problem first. Remember on Easter, we talked about Lazarus, how Lazarus died. It took Lazarus dying for Jesus to resurrect him. It took something bad happening for him to do something miraculous. It takes a problem. It took 5,000 people needing to be fed for Jesus to feed them all with a happy meal. You know what I'm saying? It took a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years for Jesus to be able to heal her instantly. Again, sometimes it takes a problem for you and I to experience a miracle. The disciples had fished all night, remember? Fished all night and not caught anything. It took that problem for Jesus to say, cast that net out one more side for them to have so many fish come in their boat that their boat began to sink. I'm telling you, sometimes, y'all got to do better than that. That's a golf clap. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to clap, clap. But again, sometimes again, it takes it takes a problem for God to do a miracle. It does. And I'm here to tell somebody. I'm here to tell somebody this morning that what you're going through, it may seem difficult. It may be bad. It might be tough. But you hang on because we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him. See, Joseph's brothers didn't want him to succeed. They didn't. And so that's why they, they sold him as a slave. But do you think that when they sold Joseph as a slave, that God, the Father in heaven, looked at God, the Son, and said, oh, my goodness, Jesus, what, is it, what have his brothers done? What are we going to do? They've messed up our plans. 
What are we going to do? They, they messed up everything. Do you think that that's what God said? I mean, the way that we respond to times of crisis kind of makes it seem like that's what we think happens. Can you see God the Father saying, Jesus, it's bad. Oh, it's so bad. Bubba lost his job. Somebody lied on him. Jesus, what are we going to do? Do you know, do you know somebody hiring Jesus that we can send Bubba to? Do you think that happens? you think God says, God, Jesus, man, old Susie, she's 34 and she's still single. Man, the guy that we had for Susie ran off with her best friend. Do you know anybody we can just send her way? I know it sounds crazy to think that God would say something like that. But again, the way that we respond to tough situations indicates that that's what we think happens. That's what we think happens. But I'm here to tell you, God's in charge. God's in charge. And God is great, and God is good. God is great, God is good. He's not surprised or shocked when someone hurts us. He's not surprised or shocked when somebody throws us in the pit. He's not surprised or shocked when somebody tries to sell us off. It hurts his heart, yes, but he's not shocked. And he says, watch me turn that into something good. And so there Joseph is. He's in prison, rotting. He's rotting in prison. And then two guys eventually get thrown in there with him, the, the baker and the cupbearer for Pharaoh himself. And while they're in prison, man, they have some dreams that kind of weird them out, you know? How many of y'all had a dream that weirded you out before, you know what I mean? So they have these dreams that really cause them some problems, and they want to know what in the world these dreams mean. And so they go to Joseph, and they're like, hey, man, let me tell you my dream. And so because of God's goodness, God uses Joseph to interpret their dreams. I mean, and they're spot on. One guy gets a favorable interpretation, and so the other guy's like, well, let me tell you my dream. Maybe you'll help me out too. And so he tells Joseph his dream, and Joseph says, hey, man, your dream means you're going to die. Can you imagine that guy? He's, he's like, man, maybe you misunderstood my dream. Let me say it again, man. Let me tell you a little different, different part. He's like, no, nah, bro, you're going to die. You're going to die. And so guess what happens? Both interpretations, they come true. And Joseph tells the one who he had given a favorable interpretation to. He says, hey, man, look, when you, when you get out of here, man, if there's anything you can do to help me, man, if you can do anything to help me get out of here, man, I would be forever grateful. I'd be forever grateful. And the guy's like, man, I got you. You help me out. I'm not, I'm not going to forget you. I got you, man. And so, and so guess what happens? A guy gets out and he's forgotten because that old saying out of sight, out of mind, right? He's, he's forgotten for two years. That guy forgets all about Joseph until Pharaoh actually has a dream that troubles him. And Pharaoh's like, man, I got to know what this dream means. And everybody's like, well, we don't know what it means. We're not real sure. And so this guy said, oh, yeah, I remember two years ago there was this guy that, that interpreted my dream. Maybe he can help you out, Pharaoh. And so they call Joseph in. They call Joseph in. He interprets Pharaoh's dream, and he's elevated. He's elevated to a position of power. Again, second in command. There's no one else more powerful than him in all of Egypt other than Pharaoh. Finally. Something good happens to Joseph. And later on, a famine hits the land. 
A famine that's so bad it actually affects the entire world. People from all over are having to come to Egypt to buy grain. People like Joseph's brothers. They show up looking for grain. And so when they're standing there before Joseph to buy grain, they don't recognize Joseph. Because at this point, 13 years have passed. 13 years have passed and Joseph looks different. Joseph now has been, uh, he's, been he's, he's, he's learned Egyptian culture. He dresses different. He talks different. He is speaking a different language. And so they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. Isn't it, hard, isn't it easy to recognize the people who have hurt you? Ooh, it's easy. Joseph recognizes them. He's now face-to-face with the people who beat him up. He's now face-to-face with the people who, who had thrown him in this pit. He is now face-to-face with the people who sold him as a slave and who caused him so much hurt and so much pain. See, I'm wrapping up. But you remember last week we, we had some change. Y'all remember them chains? Bunch of chain right there, boy. These chains. I wonder. I wonder if Joseph might have dropped that chain of forgiveness, unforgiveness, years ago. But now that he sees his brothers, he feels that hook catching him. Now's your chance. Now's your chance to get even. Now's your chance to get back at those guys who hurt you. Now's your chance to make them feel some of the pain that they made you feel. Because come on, don't we do that? Or we can let things go, but then sometimes when we see that person again, that chain is still kind of hooked to us. We think, I'm going to make them feel the pain they made me feel. Joseph might be thinking, you know what? They're hungry. I'll make them eat. I'll make them eat rocks. Man, he could have had them thrown in prison and tortured for the rest of their life, and no one would have thought anything about it. Why? Because Joseph is, again, he's in, he's in, he's in charge, second in command. He could have had this happen. He could have made this happen because a lot of times what we're tempted to do. But this isn't how God wants us to live. Remember, God wants us to be free. God wants us to live free from bondage. He wants us to break free from this chain. And so you know what Joseph does? Joseph, again, he has this unique opportunity to get back at his brother's. You know what he does? He gives them grain free of charge. Not only that, but he invites them to come live in Egypt. And not just in Egypt, but in the best place of Egypt. To enjoy the best of the land. Why would he do that? Why? I can't help 
but think. It's because he realized that it's by doing good for those who have hurt you. It's by doing good to those who have mistreated you. That's really the way that you get rid of all anger. And that's really the way that you get rid of all bitterness. And that's really the way that you get rid of all malice. See, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that what happened to you was right. It wasn't. I'm not saying that what happened to Joseph was right. But again, God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free. And it's by doing good to those who have hurt us that we're really able to drop these chains. It's by doing good to those who have mistreated us that we're able to really step out of bondage. So what is our response? What should our response be to to who has hurt us? Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. He says, but to you who are listening, y'all listening this morning? But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other also. If somebody takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Jesus is telling us to love the very people who have hurt us. You say, but Robert, they don't deserve it. No, they don't. But you and I don't deserve God's love. Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, that God demonstrates his love for us by what? Sending his son to die for us. God doesn't ask us to do something that he himself is not willing to do. And that's how we get rid of past hurt. That's how we get rid of past pain. That's how we move forward. By choosing to love instead of seeking restitution. By doing good again to those who have hurt us. So who is it? Who is it that has hurt you that you need to show love to? Who is it that has hurt you that you need to pray for? Who is it that has hurt you that you need to do something good for? Because that's how Joseph moved past a lifetime of hurt. That's how Joseph moved past years of pain. That's how Joseph let go of the chains that were holding him back. And that's how you and I will do the same. Don't get trapped. Don't get chained. Live free. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I wonder today if there's somebody here who kind of has a hard time believing that they can be forgiven for all the wrong that they've done. Maybe you have a hard time believing that, that God would just be willing to let go of all your past. I want you to know that that's how good our God is. He forgives if we ask for forgiveness. So if you're here today and you know that you need to be saved, if you're here today and you know that you need to give him your heart and you need to give him your life, I'm going to ask it right where you are you pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Father, forgive me for living for myself. Father, forgive me for everything. Today I confess you as Lord. Today I confess what you did on Calvary's cross for me. And today I pray that you would make me into a new person as your word says. Thank you for saving me. I pray in Christ's name. We're going to continue to pray. Nobody's looking around, but I wonder today if there's somebody here who prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer today to be saved, I'm going to ask it right where you are, just for my benefit so that I'll know that God's moving, that God's working. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. You prayed to receive Christ today. Amen. Amen. Prayed to be saved. Prayed to leave this place new. Father, I thank you for your willingness to change hearts and to change lives. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us not to fall for the trap of the enemy. Father, help us not to fall for this idea that we should harbor anger and bitterness. Father, help us to be able to let go of things so that we can live free. Father, I pray that you would just touch us. Father, that you would change us. And I pray all these things in Christ's name. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.